0: Radio 92.9, The Game. It's time to play the game.
2: Time to play the game! <laughs> it may be the
1: night time, but
3: the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local. And not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Telling it like it is.
0: You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of audio. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios. It's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 929
3: The Game.
1: And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday evening with you. Going to be here for the full three. We ask you to download the Odyssey app. you're not in the car as much, put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. You can use your smartphone. You can use your tablet. You can use your Lexus speakers, your Ring doorbell, your Coleco, your Atari 5200. Whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929 the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, the best way to be a part of the show is through our personal Twitter pages. I am at JMCH316. That is your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there. On the other side of the glass, producing the show, as always, Day-Day is in the house at the D. Lewis for Real. Well, as Jim Ross likes to say, we are busier than a fruit merchant um, here tonight. So uh, let's first talk about uh, Eric Edholm is going to join us at 740. We'll talk some Falcons and some NFL with him. Uh, Our buddy Chris Willis is going to join us at uh, 820. We'll talk some Braves baseball with him. Let's start with the Braves. The Braves are already in the second inning of this game. This uh, Zach Wheeler versus Max Fried, uh, which is a really good pitching matchup, but Uh, Your lineup tonight for the Braves, Ronnie, Ozzie, Riley, Olsen, Ozuna, Darno behind the dish, Rosario, Arcia, and Michael Harris hitting ninth. I was at the game day-day on Saturday night uh, for the Andrew Jones, um, what, retirement ceremony and all that good kind of stuff. So I was there for the the, uh, festivities of all of that, and um, uh, very cool. And uh, obviously, you know, uh, Braves did take it on the chin, but – You know, but the magic number, so here's where we're at, okay? The Braves, we know, are in the playoffs with that victory on Sunday. The magic number for the division is now down to four. Anybody still questioning about whether or not the division is over? Um, The Braves are also up six and a half games on the Dodgers with 18 to play. So that's going to happen as well. So they're going to be in the playoffs, going to win the division, going to have the number one overall record. Now we'll talk to Chris Willis at 820. A lot of questions uh, to get into with him. Um, But it will be interesting to see, once this division gets wrapped up, what kind of the strategy is going to be to move forward. You know, I do think that there will be some rest right before the end of the regular season for some of their regulars. And then, as you get maybe in the last week of the season, then the regulars will start to get back into you know, a regular rhythm and regular groove. But I do think Snicker is going to give some guys some time off and try to maybe extend, you know, again, instead of going every five days, going a sixth day on starts and things like that. So I do think that that Snicker is, while he's not going to just completely shut guys down, he is going to give some guys some breathers and a little bit of rest and slow them down just a little bit right before we head into the playoffs. So we'll see what happens, but we'll keep you up to date. All night long as uh, Braves in Philadelphia. Again, This uh, it's down to four for the magic number. So this thing could be split in half very quickly here. And, um, you know, we'll see what uh, what happens. But uh, Max Fried on the hill tonight, who, by the way, was outstanding in his last um, start. And, again, he is big money Max. And, you know, he's uh, he's been outstanding. Uh, we're going to obviously dive deep into the Falcons coming up here in just about 15 minutes uh, from right now. But, look. We talked about this on, I guess, Wednesday of last week. Lie, cheat, steal. Whatever you have to do to find a way to get a victory. And I thought the Falcons played well enough. You know, was that an aesthetically pleasing game to watch? No. No. But, again, who cares? Falcons are 1-0 and for the first time since 2017. Day Day, remind me what happened in 2017, that's the last time the Falcons did something playoffs. Oh, okay, all right. So all good, all good. Um, Falcons did what they had to do against a. Again, now it's been now it's been 21 years since a number one overall drafted quarterback has won a first ever opening start. 2002 is the last time the guy who was selected number one overall um, actually won his opening start ever. And that was not Derek Carr, David Carr for the Texans. Crazy to think about 21 years since that's happened, and obviously it's not going to happen this year, but it's been a long time, and the Falcons did what they had to do. Um, You know, again, it wasn't pretty at times. Uh, Defense, I thought, played really well. Jesse Bates was outstanding. Should be probably the defensive player of the week in the NFC. Um, But they did what they had to do. Bijan Robinson with a good debut. I mean, all things just kind of clicked. Now, here's what I will say. Day-Day, did you see what the Packers did on Sunday to the Bears? Yes, I did. They kicked the ever-living dog snot. Remember how everybody was all high on the Bears and – all the offensive weapons that Justin Fields was going to have and all this that, and the other and, you know, all that good kind of stuff. They scored a junk touchdown at the end of that game because that game was 38-14 for a while. They scored a junk touchdown at the end to make it 38-20. But Jordan Love was outstanding. Um, Justin Fields was very average. I think he only had 59, 60 yards rushing the football or something like that. It wasn't, wasn't a whole lot. Um had a – Touchdown and an interception. Um didn't do a whole lot, but the Packers kicked the ever-living dog snot um uh, without a Aaron anymore. That was the Jordan Love show, and he was terrific. So that's week two. That's coming up here on Sunday for the Falcons. And that will be, look, that will be a really good contest, right? I mean, that will be that will be very much a really good contest to see what happens in that game. I'm not saying it's going to define the season or anything like that. It's only week number two. But that's a good early season matchup against two teams that got off to good starts and obviously, you know, some different circumstances. Again, we haven't had a 1-0 and start since 2017. Packers are, you know, 1-0 and with the non-Aaron Rodgers. How, how long did Aaron Rodgers play for the Packers, for God's sakes? like 14 years or something ridiculous or whatever it was. I mean, it's been obviously over a decade. So, again, some changing of the guards and, you know, some good things. So that'll be a really good matchup come uh, come Sunday. Um, and, of course, we'll have all the action right here on 92.9. The game starts with a pregame show at 11 o'clock. Chris Goforth, Mike Johnson, and then when toe meets leather at one, Wes Archer uh, – Wes Durham, I should say, and Dave Archer will have the call and then – Chris Goforth and Mike Johnson will have all your post-game coverage for you right afterward, and then Rob Tribble, my guy, my, did you hear my guy? My Rob was at Margaritaville.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I mean uh, that. that uh, I I was gonna say something kind of sarcastic about it, but you know, again, um, you know, is it? Uh, how about like this? That's like taking a pyromaniac to a big bonfire. <laughs> Rob at Margaritaville. Let me let me tell you he probably had his own renditions of, you know, Jimmy Buffett and uh, all that. Um I'm sure Rob at a Cheeseburger in Paradise uh, as well. So uh again, I did hear a little bit of my guy Rob Tribble. So uh hats off to him. He's got the uh Falcon Flyover. Don't we have something called Falcon Flyover? Yes, we oh, do. who named that? <laughs> oh, anyway. Um so we'll have all the action right here, but it will be a it, that will be a fun game coming up uh, on Sunday. Um, obviously, last night, you saw a. a Ron, on the fourth play of that game, goes down, and now he is officially out for the season. And uh, I did think it was funny. Like, everybody was speculating about what veteran quarterback was being called. Look, if I'm the Jets, I inquire about Taylor Heineke. I saw that floating around. You know, would the Jets look at him? Why would you not? Why, why would why – would The Jets, who feel like they have a good team, right? Who feel like they should be a playoff team. Why would you not roll the dice on somebody? Look, it can't be worse than Zach Wilson, right? Who's still around. It's not like he's not there. But before I hand it off to Zach Wilson, because I feel like I know what I'm going to get with him, why not hand it off to whoever? Taylor Heineke, Matt Ryan, You know, I I, listen, I even saw Colin Kaepernick's name brought up. He hasn't played in seven years. I I guess we're just desperate for the quarterback position. But um, it was just a devastating injury. And how about the memes last night, Day-Day, with all of the Jets fans? Like, they were showing pictures and and memes of just every Jets fan imaginable. And, and, you know, they even showed – what well, what's that thing they do on Monday night the the Manning deal
2: the Manning cast the
1: Manning cast mm-hmm. um they were showing uh Peyton Manning's reaction to when he got put on the cart yeah and Peyton just kind of put his hands in his head and all that good stuff and uh, uh just crazy I mean again it's just awful um for a guy to go down four plays into the season but again it tells you that anything can happen and y- you start feeling good about yourself and then all of a sudden. The entire dynamic changes, Yep. right? I mean, I'm not sure that they thought that Aaron Rodgers would play 17 games, but I know they didn't think that four, four plays into the season he was going to be out for the year. I know that for sure. So, again, just a devastating situation, and it just tells you how fortunes can change. And maybe that's why, look, you know, maybe the Falcons don't buy. I mean, I don't know if the Jets are, you know, calling for Taylor Heineke, but they'd be a fool not to. But again, maybe the Falcons decide that, hey, you know, we're one injury away from you know, having our season derailed. I mean, with all due respect to Logan Whiteside, you don't want Logan Whiteside starting in, in the NFL, right? Again, mop-up duty, preseason action, no problemo. But you don't want him starting five, six, eight games during the regular season or your season's done. I don't, I don't care how many rookies. I don't care how many players you got. If, you ain't, if you've got somebody who is you know, barely hanging on to a roster spot, you're not winning a whole bunch of games in the NFL. Well, Brock Purdy, okay, the one exception to the rule. And by the way, their team is outstanding. Like they have, they have as good a roster as anybody in the NFL. Even without their quarterback, they have a roster that's as good as anybody in the NFL. Falcons are not quite at the best roster in the NFL yet. So, again, we'll see what uh, what happens with all that. But it is devastating for the uh, the Jets uh, on everything. So, But uh, all good news for the uh, Atlanta Falcons coming out of uh, that victory, 24-10. Uh, to 10. And we'll get into some of the numbers and stuff like that. We'll also talk a little bit later on in the show because I do think that there is some concern about our pass blocking. And, and we'll give you some of the numbers. We'll give you some of the pro football-focused numbers a little bit later on in the show. We do have rankham by the way too. I know it's been like a long time and we don't really do Friday shows. How did how did uh uh the game you were at go on Friday?
2: Uh which game did I have Friday? I had uh where did I go? Oh it was uh it was Cedar pretty Grove or good. something? No no I had um I was um in Clayton County. Okay. I had North Clayton versus ah, okay. uh, versus Chattahoochee County. Um I mean it was a great game. Um actually it, it was it turned out to be a pretty good game. Um North Clayton won. Um their first three and one start in like ten years. So
1: my daughter's uh boyfriend is uh moved up to varsity for Woodstock and uh um they played Lassiter on uh Friday night. How last was Friday. that
2: game? Because I know Lassiter I, I was, was off to start. I was a slow only start. there for
1: a little bit, uh, to help drop her off and walk okay. her up and all that kind of stuff. But uh um the fighting Cody Rhodes and the fight in Lita's <laughs> yep. yeah, right Cody Rhodes and Lita both went yep. to uh to Lassiter, Lassiter Did I ever tell yeah. you smoke cigars with Lita's uncle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, they both uh, went to Lasseter. but um, no, Woodstock's kind of you know in rough shape uh, this year. Yeah, Lasseter is too, so that's why yeah. I was
2: wondering how that one might have went. Yeah, so. it.
1: Uh, yeah. I I can't say as I stayed long enough to to soak in much of the action. So, and Woodstock's got um, River Ridge on this uh, Thursday. Oh, they got River Ridge on Thursday, yeah. so they're they're on the road. So they're not even playing on Friday. They're playing on. Thursday, so. Yeah,
2: and that's because of uh, referee shortages. There's a lot of Thursday games this year. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. All right. That's good news to know. So, All right. When we get back, we'll dive into what the Falcons did on Sunday as it was a really good win for them getting off to a 1-0 start. Chuckery hanging out in the Kia studios. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, the game, back at a Chukri show, hanging out in the Kia Studios Tuesday night with you. 20 minutes from right now, we'll talk to our buddy Eric Edholm, get him uh, back in the mix as we are neck deep in uh, football. And obviously week number one of the NFL season has come to a close, and now we turn the page and get ready for week number two. Believe it or not, uh, coming quick, right? We talked about you know how fast preseason was going to be and all this kind of stuff, and now we're actually in To the season. All right, 404 726 0929. That's both our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line and his phone line. If you want to jump in and give us your thoughts about what you saw on Sunday as well. So, a lot of different things here with uh, with this Falcons game. Um, Obviously, a very good win. Um, Let me talk about the Panthers first. You know, Bryce Young did some nice things, but he also played like a rookie. You know, and and I'll give Jesse Bates credit. He took full advantage of a rookie quarterback and was outstanding. He also, Bryce Young, missed some big throws in that game. You know, when they got that horse collar play, I tweeted this out. When they got the, you know, the horse collar tackle at the one-yard line and all that kind of nuttiness and the Falcons dodged a bullet there, um, you know, with all of that, Bryce Young missed a guy wide open on first down that would have at least got them out to midfield, if not been a touchdown. Missed a guy wide open that was there and running downfield with a full head of steam. And he missed a couple of other throws that were very tenable. I thought the real play of the game that really kind of started turning things around was when the Panthers were driving and they were getting toward midfield and they had a third and five and Iquanu had the penalty to make it third and 10 and they couldn't convert and they had to give the ball back um to the uh, to the uh, Falcons at that point now on the Falcons side of things Jesse Bates was outstanding he should be the NFL he should be the NFC player of the week defensively um they did get to Bryce Young a little bit but their pass rush was non-existent in the well for most of that game until it started getting kind of a little bit out of hand, and then they got a couple of sacks off of Blitzes, and you know, Anderson and Grady split a sack, and then Lorenzo Carter had one as well. So I thought their pass rush was mediocre, but when they had to have it, they they got it. The run game, both running backs were outstanding. Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson. Robinson both catching the football. And running. They both averaged over five yards per attempt. Robinson with the massive touchdown where he just bowled people over. Six catches to lead the team with 27 yards. And the 17-yard touchdown for it. Uh, And by the way, they targeted him six times. He made all six catches. Not sure he can do better than that. Um, Desmond Ritter. I thought he played well. He was 15 for 18 and he didn't turn the football over and he had command of the offense and did exactly what you want to do. Now, look, again, I know, and and Arthur Smith said this best yesterday's press conference. Well, you know, uh, somebody asked him, you know, well, you know, Desmond had as many receptions as Drake London and Arthur Smith's answer was perfect. I'll let the fantasy football folks worry about that. We don't care about that. Desmond or sorry uh, Drake London doesn't care about that. We're 1 and 0. And you know what? He couldn't have said it better. You're 1 and 0. That's all that matters. I thought Ritter when he had to make plays, made plays. I don't care if if they go 17 and 0 and Des and uh, Drake London has zero receptions over 17 games, but they're 17 and 0, who cares? Who cares? You're not going to throw it 30 times. What we talk about last week, Day-Dang, 22, maybe 24 attempts. Did I hit it? 18. I yeah. said that they would be under. That they're not going to throw the football, and they're not going to put Ritter in harm's way. He didn't create a turnover. He did what he had to do. He was efficient. Again, the yards per attempt is not going to be a stat to look at with Ritter. is probably about where he's going to live. Six and a half, between six and seven, that's where he's going to live. When Pitts was thrown to, he made a monster catch down low. Had that herky-jerky turnaround catch, he he had made a big-time catch. Matt Collins had another big catch. So, again, they're not going to throw the football. That's not their DNA. And again, when they do throw it, it's not a matter of throwing it around downfield. Now, let's get to what the most important thing was. Day-day, what have I, for four months, been preaching about with the Atlanta Falcons and the thing that they had to be elite in?
2: Uh, Well, there was really two things, but pass rush and red zone efficiency.
1: Red zone touchdown efficiency. How many trips to the red zone did they make? Say three. Well, it's three times, yeah. Okay. How many touchdowns did they score in the red zone? Say three. Three. Okay. Yeah. If you're three for three, can you be better than that? (laughs) No. (laughs) Is there a higher percentage than 100? Not at all. Okay. And that was the difference in the game. Think about for a minute if they kick field goals on two of those three possessions. Now you're talking about a game that is to 16-10, and you play that game differently when you're down by one score, but you can win a game with a touchdown. And it put pressure on the, the offense of the Panthers to get out of their comfort zone. And then obviously we got the sacks and all that kind of stuff because I'll tell you this. Arthur Smith even said this yesterday at his press conference. They got the Falcons out of rhythm with what they want to do offensively. That Arthur Smith said he changed his play call and his approach because they were getting after Desmond Ritter. They had four sacks in the game. Now, we're going to talk about the the, um, the offensive line pass blocking a little bit later on. But McGarry was not that good, and he struggled in pass blocking. Dolman didn't have a good first half, but he played better in the second half. Lindstrom was – I don't know what Lindstrom was. His pass – when I tell you – when I give you his pass rush, when I give you his pass blocking grade, you're going you're gonna to tumble over, Day Day, in your chair when I tell you what his pass blocking grade was. For a guy who has given up one sack in two years – and by the way, three of their five offensive linemen gave up sacks in that game. Michael Pruitt – was given uh, the credit on the fourth, uh, on one of the sacks, I should say, one of the four sacks, having given it up. But three of their five offensive linemen gave up sacks. That's a concern. But the Falcons did what they had to do. They had their two running backs that went for 131 yards. They got 25 carries for 131 yards and over five yards an attempt out of their two running backs. And Cordero Patterson didn't even play. They got six receptions out of Bijan Robinson. And I don't care if I don't care what the fantasy football players have to say. By the way, that pit that catch from Kyle Pitts was fantastic. Fantastic. It was a big time catch. And it put them down deep to be able to score again. So when you look at the hole, there was a lot of good things to take away from the game. And there were some not-so-good things, just like what we expect in week one with a team with a new roster. Moving forward, they have to pass block better. They have to get a pass rush. Again, we don't have a fire breather that comes off the edge. Did you see some of the games over the weekend with some of the fire breather? Let me ask you a question, Day-Day. Let me ask you another question. Did you see Miles Garrett? yes. See what he did to Joe yeah, Burrow? Yes, yes, See how they abused
2: the oh, Bengals? Oh, yeah.
1: See what a guy like that does? Day-Day, let me ask you a question. Did you watch the game on Sunday night? Yes. you see that guy, yeah. number
2: 11? Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. You can change up the complexion of a game with one of those kinds of guys. We don't have that. And we have to do it different ways. But eventually... You are going to have to sack the quarterback, folks. You can run and hide from it all you want. Eventually, you're going to have to do it. It might start this weekend because you got a guy that, that feels pretty confident about what he did on Sunday, and he had a monster game. What was it, three touchdowns and no turnovers? Mm-hmm. For a guy who's not played a whole lot, but he was terrific. Now, again, maybe it's fool's gold with all of that with with Jordan Love. But you don't want him feeling good and feeling like he's got all the confidence in the world. But the Falcons did some really good things. They ran the football well. They ran block very well. When, when you, if you look at the run-blocking numbers, they ran block very well. Their guys were really good run-blocking. They weren't good pass-blocking. I'll give you the pro football Focus numbers You know from it. Jesse Bates should be the player of the week defensively. Bijan had a monster start to his NFL career. Couldn't, couldn't have asked him to do much of anything more. I mean, what do he have? 82 all-purpose yards, 16 touches, 82 all-purpose yards. Tyler Algier. Oh, did we forget about him? He was outstanding. Well, he only had 75 yards. Multiply 75 by 17 and tell me what that number is. <laughs> okay? And he scored two touchdowns. Oh, and Day-Day. What have I been preaching for four months? Red zone, touchdown, efficiency. efficiency. They were 54% last year, 14th in the league. They were 100% on Sunday. I don't know that any team could have scored higher than that. I didn't look at all the numbers. I can pull them up. I can We can look at it. But I don't think anybody had more than 100%. So at worst, they're tied for first in the NFL in red zone touchdown efficiency. That's the, key to the, that's the key for what this team needs to be. They have so many weapons when they're down deep and they have so many options to use in the red zone. There's no reason for them not to be an elite red zone team. And you see it. There are too many guys to have to cover down that deep. And I will give all the credit in the world. Thompson, Brown, Brian Burns, those guys ate up the Falcons' offensive line. Ate them up. But when you can score touchdowns, when you have the opportunity, you change the complexion of the game. I don't care that London didn't get targets. I don't care that Pitts has got uh, two catches and three targets. I don't care. If you score touchdowns in the red zone by hook or by crook, that's all I care about. And if you do that and you score, you you go three for three every week in the NFL, you're going to be in pretty good shape. You're going to be in pretty good shape. If you score three, you go go three for three, touchdowns in the red zone, you're going to be all right, and we're going to win a lot of ball games for it. All right, when we get back, Eric Edholm is going to join us from uh, NFL.com. Uh, we'll talk to him up next. Trucking the Studios, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 929, The Game Back at a Chuck Show, hanging out in the Key Studios on this Tuesday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Tech line to be a part of the show. Well, Braves and Philly are tied up at 1-1, but the bigger news is the fact that Matt Olson has homered tying sorry, Ron- uh, sorry, tying Andrew Jones Uh, In 2005, for the Braves' single season franchise record for home runs in a season. So he is now 51 homers and 128 RBI. So he, Ronnie, sorry, Andrew did it in 160 games. And this is game number what, 145 for the Braves. And Olsen has tied the record of 51. I think he's got a real shot with the way he's been hitting of getting to 60 homers. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets 60 homers this year. He's got plenty of time, and obviously we'll see how much he plays coming down the stretch. But, you know, if he can stay hot like this, I mean, keep all those good swings for the playoffs. But um, big accomplishment for Matt Olson. Congratulations to him as he now ties Andrew Jones for the single-season record. For most home runs in a season, with fifty-one, and obviously, he's going to pass Andrew Jones, and he's going to be the leader in the clubhouse all by himself. So, uh, remarkable accomplishment, obviously. And look, we'll talk with this about. Uh, we'll talk to the, about uh, with this with Chris Willis. Is that, you know, again, he's making a push here late in the season to get himself in the top, probably three or four of the MVP race. You know, right now you're looking at probably the leaders in the clubhouse are probably Ronnie and then Mookie Betts right after that. That feels like everybody's leader in the clubhouse, and then you can go Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson. but it will be interesting to see. I mean, I'm guessing the Dodgers and the Braves have the top four candidates for the MVP award. Freddie, Mookie, Ronnie, and Olson. Those guys should be your top four. I don't even know if there's anybody else that deserves to be in the top four. I don't know if anybody's done um, enough to be in the top four when all is uh, said and done. But Matt Olsen is not going to win the MVP because that's going to be either Betts or Ronnie, but he's making himself a good push you know, to, to be a top three or four uh, MVP guy. And, you know, again, we talk about this. I don't want a repeat of 2003. I don't want a repeat of 2003. This team should be in the World Series. They're the best offense in baseball. They've got the best lineup in baseball. They've got the best team in baseball. They've got the best team in in baseball, National League, whatever metric you want to use. They've been the best of the best of the best of the best. And it can't end in any kind of less than going to a World Series type of appearance. So we'll try to see if we can effort – Eric Edholm and talks some NFL uh, with him but um uh Braves right now deadlocked at one but Matt Olson uh with his 51st home run 128 RBI uh on the season and again I don't know what the I I, I know Sheffield had like 137 in 2003 uh, Matt Olson's probably going to be somewhere in that kind of range where he's going to be somewhere 135 between 135 and 140 Talk about having a monster year, you know. If he's, let's say, if he's fifty-eight homers and one hundred thirty-five, forty RBI, like, and and it gets kind of overshadowed in some ways because um, because Ronald Acuna's year is just so ridiculously good. I mean, it's just just one of the great seasons that we've seen in baseball, you know, for a long, long time. And look, I've said. I think he's having the best year ever for a Braves outfielder, and that takes in a lot of ground. That takes in a lot of ground, but, again, you look at the run scored record and all these different things, and he's hitting 3:33, 582 slugging, 415 on base. You know, he's just been a beast this year, and he's going to be 40 40 when it's all said and done. In fact, he's going to be 40, 70 when it's all said and done how ridiculous is that he's again already the first player in baseball history to have what 35 homers and 60 stolen bases just been just been a remarkable season but it's got to all come together it's got to all come together at the end of the day it can't be a repeat of 2003 that team pretty much rolled through the national league on the way to 101 wins and they were that was the all-time run scored leader in modern day history for the Atlanta Braves or the Braves franchise as a whole, Boston, Milwaukee and Atlanta. That's the modern day record, the and what 7 I think it was 907 runs I believe in 2003. And we've talked about Sheffield had the monster year, Andrew had a big year, Chipper was playing left field. They had over 100 homers and 400 RBI. They all scored over 100 runs. For Cal was, I think I think he was the second most run scored in the modern era for a Braves player. Only Murphy's number in, what, 82 or 83 um, was the higher number. For Cal was outstanding that year. Marcus Giles had a monster year. Robert Fick was playing first base. Javi went nuts. 43 and like 107, 117 or whatever it was. I know it was over 100 RBI with 43 homers. That lineup was loaded for Bear, man. They were loaded for Bear. And then they got against Pryor and Wood. And in the immortal words of Leo Mazzoni, well, anything can happen in a short series. I'll never forget that as long as I live. I, I don't ever have to remember that because it's ingrained inside my brain what Leo said after that series. And it can't be that way this year. I don't want to hear about guys throwing up in buckets, guys returning from obliques, this, that, and the other. They've got a great staff. Again, Strider, Freed, and Morton at the very top of your staff gives you three really good pitchers to start with. And obviously, it's the best lineup in baseball. It's the deepest lineup in baseball. It's going to be arguably, maybe at the end of the day, the most powerful lineup in baseball, setting the, the single-season home run record. But it can't be like 2003. It's World Series or bust, at least getting to the World Series. I mean, once you get in the World Series, I guess anything can happen there. But this team, look, and when it comes to the Dodgers, the, the Braves have the better lineup. How many times have we been able to say that over the last couple of years? And the Braves and the Dodgers have two of the three or four MVP candidates in the National League, and the Braves still have a better lineup. They still have a deeper, better lineup than what the Dodgers trot out there every night. We haven't been able to say that very often. Even over the last handful of years, for as good as we've been, Dodgers have had a ridiculously good lineup, up and down, sideways, what have you. So it's got to be in the World Series this year. And, you know, again, I think the, the, the first-round series – um, will end up being either I think I think they play the winner of like Philadelphia and San Francisco or something. I don't I don't know. I haven't checked the the standings as far as the the uh, the playoff round goes. But Braves will have you know the the first round off, and then you know again this format that we're going to now with with the baseball playoffs. It's a funky format, but still uh, whether it's the Philadelphia Phillies, the Giants, Dodgers, I don't care what team it is. Braves should be able to beat anybody. And by the way, the Braves have been outstanding against teams above 500. It's actually been the teams below 500 that have given them some hiccups and some frustrations and different things like that. But this team has been outstanding all year long. Um, it's four game, it's a, it's a magic number of four to clinch the division. We've told you that for three months now the division has been over, and it has been over. It's just a formality to get to the finish line and get over – you know, get over the, uh, you know, run through the uh, ribbon, if you will, you know, to cross the finish line. and uh, Then uh, we'll see how this team is is handled from there. I do think Snicker is going to sit some guys early on and then ramp them back up as we get toward the last season. And, again, you're playing the Nationals, right? You're, you're, you're playing the Nationals. At, uh, what, seven of the last ten games, I think, is against the Washington Nationals. So... You know, they're not like there's any anybody fighting for anything at that point Nationals maybe just trying to not be in last place or whatever you know or improve their draft position for the following year maybe they want to be in last place maybe they want to be the worst team although that's impossible because the Oakland a's are the most dreadful franchise in baseball history so they can't be the worst team you know in uh, in baseball um Rockies are making a good case you know as well they're they stink it up but but other than last place, that's the only thing that the Nats will be, be playing for. And, um, you know, again, it's, it's been a remarkable year for this team. When you look at all of the different things, has had such an outstanding year. By the way, don't look now, but Michael Harris has got his power stroke back. He's hitting the ball out of the ballpark now. And his numbers are starting to round into form to what he was last year, but cutting down on the strikeouts while increasing the rock, the, uh, the, the walks. And believe it or not, the only guy that I want to say maybe hasn't had the kind of year we thought he would, but from a power standpoint he's had the the year, is Austin Riley. You know, the batting average is starting to creep its way back up. He's now back up to 274, driving in some runs. You know, but again, it's been kind of like he's been lost in the shuffle with the seasons that Olsen and um, Ronald Acuna Jr. are having. And even to some degree, again, Arceus starting in the All-Star game, right? Um, Ozuna's had a nice bounce back year. Darno and Sean Murphy at the catcher position, they've been really good, right? They've given you a lot of production at that position. Rosario's been really good in left field. By the way, Rosario's two for two tonight. He's been good in left field. He's actually made a few defensive players. And, And I'll talk about this with Chris Willis as well. I do think that Ronnie and Michael Harris are both going to win the Gold Glove. I think they're both going to win the Gold Glove when all is said and done. I think that I think that Harris is about a lock to win the Gold Glove, and I think that when you look at the idea of Ronnie not having won the Gold Glove, but he's going to be the MVP of the league, I think they're going to tie everything together and and give him the and vote him the Gold Glove. I think he's made enough highlight plays throughout the course of the season. So besides being, you know, obviously how good they've pitched, how good they've hit, they're obviously a very, very good defensive team, right? RC has been really good at, at, uh, at short. Ronnie and Harris have been really good in the outfield. Riley's an above-average defender. Olsen, you know, has had his struggles. But, again, he's shown in the past he's been a really good defensive first baseman. And despite the number of errors at times that he's had, still been a guy who's been, you know, a really good defender. So this team, you know, from top to bottom, really is not flawed in any way. They're not really a flawed baseball team. They've got everything you want. They got power, they got speed, they got on base, they can score in a variety of different ways. They can pitch, they can strike guys out, they can get plenty of outs without contact with Morton, Strider, and Freed. Like, those are three guys that can get you plenty of outs with no contact. So everything lines up for the Braves this year, that everything has been, you know, gone right to plan. Like, there's been no real hiccups other than very first part of the year, the injury factor, right? I mean, the injuries that, you know, lingered a little bit for the Braves at the very beginning of the year, you know, other than that, that's been it. And now they're healthy. Now they're at full strength. And now, you know, again, Kyle Wright's back up on the roster, right? So all is good in Braves Land, you know, other than Michael Soroka being hurt and not being able to contribute. All right, top of the hour, Falcons flyover. I'll give you the pro football focus numbers from Sunday. Chuckery hanging out in the key studios. Sports radio, and Game Odyssey.com app.
3: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
1: Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and
0: soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.